Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Graney. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's Ed Tyler, Danny running the show this week. Welcome to the Press Box. We're all holding out for contracts. Actually, we're holding in. Holding in. Holding in. Uh, Tyler's got a shoulder. I've got a hamstring. And Danny's over there sipping who knows what. He's got some kind of a sleeve on his drink, so we don't know what Danny's having this morning. How how would that work if one of us were to hold in? Would we just be in the room but we're not in the room? Talk? Yeah, exactly. Like I'd just sit here and not and talk. I'd be into staring the mic. at you the yeah. whole time saying, Is he gonna say anything? It'd be a hell of a hold in. Yeah, it'd be a hell of a hold in. And then you'd be like you'd be like rubbing your shoulder, saying, Well uh, No, I'm like my throat. Be rubbing my that's throat. That's right, you'd like, be rubbing oh, your throat. Uh, I can't really say anything. I'm holding a, in. Got a doctor's note. Shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't talk very much during the day. That would be like that would be fun. Other professions, what would it look like if you held, held in. in, which is now the norm in the NFL, is to you can't hold out or you lose too much yeah. money. So you show up, but you don't well, practice. There's no hamstring injury because there's no, there's nobody there's no on the injury report. The, uh, there's no injuries on the Raiders. <laughs> it had a very Patriots look to it, that injury report. Very Patriots Did, well, no, normally the Patriots have like the ro- whole well, rosters either, on the Either report. nobody or like 40 people. <laughs> It's so the, Patriots. the Raiders actually have 16 people hurt, but they're not going to tell anybody. No, whereas right. the Patriots normally have nobody hurt, but will list 16 people. They'll as list injured. 16 people. It's good. That's good. Hey, football season's here. It's a good day. The NFL's back. The first bite. Are the Raiders going to pay Darren Waller before the season starts? You feel better about your prediction now? Yes, I feel better. I feel better. I'm not going to go back on it. Uh, Jordan Schultz tweeted yesterday, Darren Waller and the Raiders extension talks are seriously heating up per a source. Uh, Waller hired Drew Rosenhaus to handle negotiations. Make no mistake. Las Vegas wants to take care of him with guaranteed money. And both sides are motivated to get it done soon. Can I ask you a question? Why would the Raiders be motivated to take care of Darren Waller with guaranteed money? Well, why has it taken this long if they're so motivated to take care of him with guaranteed money? I don't believe that they are. I mean, it's just, it's, we've talked about this for, what, right. months? This this wasn't a new thing that Darren Waller decided two weeks ago. I want a new contract. This right. was an offseason where the Raiders spent money, gave On contracts others. out to everybody. Other key guys. Except Waller. So, I hear, here's what I'm guessing, right? The Raiders right now, according to spot track have 20.5 million in usable cap space, right? They've still, I think it's the second most in the league at the moment. They still have a good chunk of cap space. Mm -hmm. What I think happened here is the Raiders basically sat down and all of their players, I shouldn't say all, all of their good players, right? You're Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr. They're top tier of players. They basically made a list of who was a high priority and who was a low priority, right? And maybe there's a middle priority somewhere in there too. And I think Darren Waller was the very last priority of those good players. Of the top tier. Of the top tier. I think the Raiders decided Waller is the bottom priority of this entire top tier. And so what that meant 
was that Max Crosby got a deal right away in the offseason, right? They traded for and gave Devontae Adams a deal early in the offseason. They got Chandler Jones, gave him a deal early in the offseason. And then what did we saw? We saw what was it, about a month before Derek Carr got his deal. So Derek Carr, probably not the high priority. He was probably that middle priority guy. And then nothing for Darren Waller. Hunter until Renfro got a deal. Hunter Renfro, yes, got one early too. But nothing for Darren Waller until maybe this week. And so what I think happened here is they determined Darren Waller was a low priority. And if, with that $20 million they still have in cap space, if they found somebody else in free agency they wanted to sign for $10 million or whatever, or maybe two players, that they were going to do that instead of giving like Darren Waller... Like an offensive Waller, lineman? Right. Giving Darren Waller more money this year. And because we're here on a Thursday with the NFL season starting on Sunday for the Raiders, they haven't found that player. There hasn't been, whether it was an offensive lineman, maybe at one point they thought it was going to be in and Sue, right? They just haven't found that guy that they wanted to spend $10 million on. And because of that, they come back to their low priority in that top tier. It's Darren Waller. And they say, okay, we'll take care of you now and give you your guaranteed money. Well, I think at the raise. end of the day, it doesn't matter to Darren Waller if he gets paid. No, I mean, ultimately, no, it doesn't really matter if he get if he gets an hour, if he got it. Oh, you mean if he if he gets paid, period. Well, if he gets his contract, right. if he gets Basically. his contract and his guaranteed money, I don't yeah. think it matters to him. But I, I think their overall plan was to, Darren Waller was their lowest priority top tier player. And if they found somewhere else to spend that money, they were going to do it, right? If they had signed Indomitian Sue and an offensive lineman in the last month, we wouldn't be talking about Darren Waller getting a new deal. Darren Waller would be on the outside looking in, but because for whatever reason, they didn't go after Indomitian Sue, for whatever reason, they didn't go after an offensive lineman. They've got $20 million in cap space. Might as well give Darren Waller some, especially in, and this I think is going to be the interesting part. What is the uh, length and what is like the guarantee money in this? Because we've seen them give themselves out with Devontae Adams outs with Derek Carr, where those don't have to be long-term deals. I'm curious to see, is Darren Waller about to get what looks like a big contract, but in reality, the Raiders can get out of it after this year? Yeah, you start reading between the lines like we did the other two contracts. Right. Say, oh, they can move on from these guys if they want to. Right. I would be surprised if they have more than two years worth of guaranteed money to Darren Waller. Honestly, I'd be surprised if they can't get out of the Waller contract at the end of this season. However they structure it, I would be willing to bet they have a way to get out of the Waller contract after this year. They might give him like 17 million this year, right? Make him the highest paid tight end for this season, but have a way to get out of that contract at the end of the year. Well, of all the guys they've got a outs for, he would make the most sense. Right. Oh. He's going to be 30. Yeah. He's had injury problems. He's not a quarterback. Yep. Uh he's not the best receiver in the league. Um he's very good at his position, but of the three that they would ha- if he if we're including him, if the three they'd have outs on, he'd make the most sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt about it. He, and, that, and I think, again, if you sat down, and I think the Raiders did this, but if we sat down and sort of listed off who are the highest priority guys in that top tier, I think you would come to Darren Waller being at the bottom of that list. I think that that would be the logical conclusion for most people, that the edge rushers are more important, the quarterback's more important, Adams and Renfro are younger, right? Like, Waller would end up at the bottom of the priority list for everybody. So it makes some sense. So that's my guess as to why it took this long. That might be completely wrong. They might have just been like, ah, Darren Waller wants more money. Okay. But that's my guess as to why it took this long for Darren Waller. Because otherwise, if you're telling me both sides are motivated to get it done, 
Why why are we talking about it on September eighth right. when they play in three days? If there was motivation, Clutch would have never been fired. Right. If there was motivation on both sides to get it done, Darren Waller's got a new contract in the summer or the spring even. But because oh now we're motivated, something had to have changed, and I think it's that the Raiders didn't sign. Yeah, I don't think it was just Drew Rosenhaus. Right. <laughs> they walked as in. good of an agent as he is, and he is. He's like the power NFL agent. As good as an agent he is, I don't think the they suddenly came to the conclusion that they were going to pay him just because he switched right. agents. Drew, Drew Rosenhaus walked in and was like, you know, this Darren Waller guy's pretty good, right? right? And McDaniels and Ziggler were like, oh, he is. We should pay him. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know, Drew. Like, yeah, I just, I can't imagine the agent change actually spurred any decision. No. Decision changes on the Raiders side of things. Because if you're the Raiders, you don't care if Darren Waller's represented by Clutch, Drew Rosenhaus. Or, right. or himself. But yeah, if it's Darren Waller in there, it's irrelevant to you. So that's what I think happened. And let me ask you this. We've talked a lot about the offensive line. Obviously, uh, that could be something they regret is not adding a new offensive lineman. Uh, if I asked you specifically with like Indomic and Sue, do you think we'll look back and say, oh, the Raiders ended up giving the money to Darren Waller? Should they have given it to Indomic and Sue? Or maybe if there's I another just, free agent out there. I do, well, if there's another free agent who plays really well in the offensive line <laughs> and the offensive line struggles as usual, and probably... I've got to be honest with you, things I've uh, been told, I just don't think they're ever interested in Sue. I don't know why. Yeah. I, don't, I can't tell you why, but I don't think they're ever interested in him. Yeah, I I, I think that's probably a, a fair assumption, given that he hasn't signed. And he hasn't I can't signed tell you why. He hasn't signed with anybody. Which is weird, right? Yeah, it's not like he was, he's been horrible. Yeah. He still starts every game. He still is productive. I don't – maybe he's just – Maybe he's just fine with what he's made, and he's just asking for way too much. He's basically saying, I'm mid to late 30s. If I'm going to come back and play again. It's going to be for a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, you're going to pay me $10 million, Right. And otherwise, I'm fine, and I'll. Yeah, he's made a ton of money. Right. So and that might be it. Exactly it. And maybe he'll wait until week seven and sign a prorated deal and be like, right. all right, I'll play half the season for $5 million or whatever it ends up being there. Is this true that Jason Peters, the offensive lineman the Cowboys signed, did he sign for $358,000? I don't know that because I'm looking at his spot track page, which has all the salaries in the NFL. And it says Jason Peters signed a one year, $358,000 deal with the Cowboys. Well, good value, right? Like I'm, if you get Jason Peters, no matter where he is right. in his career, like he's 40, there's clearly like, there's reason That's to look less at than Peters. Logan Thompson makes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the starting goalie at at forty. Like there's clear, he's been very good in his career. But at forty, there's reason to be like, ah, maybe he won't be that good. Well, but still, but if I'm the Raiders, something thousand dollars, and that guy signed for less than a million dollars, I, I, I think if you're the Raiders, you would have given that guy like two million, right? So, like, I think that's one we'll look back on because here's the thing: if he's gonna play for less than a million, you could have given Darren Waller like twenty four million dollars. Oh and yeah, st- and still brought in Jason Peters. And you'd have been fine. So I don't, I don't know if that's that seems way too low, but that's what Spotrac says his salary is. I mean, last year he only played for one point seven five million with the Bears. So I don't know. I just that seems low. And if that's the case, I think the Raiders did absolutely mess up there because Jason Peters for less than a million dollars is not that's not a risky sign. There's not, pretty much nothing can go wrong if you sign a guy for three hundred fifty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> like you just can't. Like if he if he's awful, if he gets hurt, whatever. All right, you're out three hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. Meanwhile, guys are making tens of millions of dollars to play the same position. So, if that's accurate, I think they definitely miss there. But Darren Waller, all right, you've you predicted Friday at ten oh one. You sticking with Friday at ten oh one? 
Well, yes, because it has to okay. be ten oh one. All right, right. I I guess it can't be between. It can't be before us. Between, it can't be. It can't be before you know, our show is off on Friday. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Ten oh one, Friday. I I'm not backing off from that. Okay. I, mean, I can't. The reporting suggests it's going to get done now. So, and the way Darren Waller's talked about it, it sounds like he'll kind of accept what the team puts out there. It's what it sounds like anyways. When he says, I'll play the contracts, you know, would be nice, would be a blessing, but I don't need it or whatever. Right. That sounds a lot like, hey, uh, I want so much money, but if the Raiders are offering me less, eh, I'll take it. Right. Like, that'll be fine. Because here's the thing. He's going to make like $7 million this year. It doesn't take a whole lot to give him more money this season. Like if you're the Raiders and you're giving the guy 10 million, that's, that's more than 3 million more than he's going to make this year. So I don't know. They've got it. I'd love to know how much power on Darren Waller Rosenhouse is going to have. And if he does not like the contract, he has an issue with it. And how much, how likely Waller would be to say no to something. Yes. Yeah. Based on Rosenhaus. Cause I don't think Rosenhaus is going to come in and just accept 10 million right. for his guy. He's right. not going to do that. He's going to be like, I got Darren Waller here. This yeah. Dawson Knox just Dawson got Dawson Knox just got 14 a year, a year and he's been a lot better than Dawson Knox. <laughs> so you better Dawson Knox up. was a sixth round fantasy pick. Yeah. That is, that is interesting. What would be that dynamic between Darren Waller, who seems very go with the flow, like whatever the contract is, it's it'll be a blessing versus Drew Rosenhaus and how much he's going to push right. for. He's, a lot of money. He's the third best tight end yeah. in the league or yeah. whatever. You've got to pay him like he's the third best yes. tight end. That would be interesting to sort of see that. dynamic. And by the way, I think that's the type of dynamic that led to him getting rid of clutch sports is, I don't know, again, maybe clutch sports wanted him to hold in or was having him hold in whatever. But I, I wonder like how much that dynamic, how different clutch and Darren Waller were. And if Drew in Rosenhaus, terms of being aggressive, right. And if Drew Rosenhaus, is he the same as clutch? Like I would guess not. Yeah. Or, or is he more, more aggressive than clutch sports? Like I just, the match between Waller and Rosenhaus curious, not that we'll really ever know, but curious what that is. All right. Coming up next, the NFL season gets started with the bills and Rams tonight. As of right now, you know, we're still talking, you know, the week's not over yet, but soon, soon probably be a deadline, probably be cut off after this week. All the other teams in the NFC North, it seems like every single year. Uh, you know, I think their fan base and their teams feel like this is our year to win the North. Hasn't really been the case during my time for the most part. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Do you feel bad for Vikings, Bears, and Lions fans? I don't feel bad for anybody. Okay, all right. I feel, why would I feel bad for people? Cheer for your team. If it happens, it happens. Danny's got the shirt on for my team today. Uh, cheer for that team and hasn't been good in a long time. Yeah, I feel bad for fan bases. Really? Yeah. I didn't think you felt bad for anybody. Well, <laughs> relatively speaking. <laughs> not going to do anything nice for them. <laughs> no, but, why would you? But generally speaking, yeah. Feel on a relative scale. Why? Because they're in the same division as the Packers? Well, okay. No, no. So fan bases in general. Yes, technically you choose your favorite team, but usually it's like when you were seven years old or who your dad cheered for, right? Like when you don't really make an educated decision on when you choose your favorite team, it's just whatever team you live next to or whoever your dad cheered for. What city you were in. Right. So it's not like your people are sitting down and making an educated choice when they're an adult. So you're just sort of stuck with it. And then there's some people who switch. They do. But, and then you have... No control, zero control over how good your team is. 
right? Of course. And zero control over what your team does. So like this year, I feel bad for Browns fans. Because if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, what did you do to incur the wrath of Deshaun Watson being signed? You did absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. But your team decided they were going to sign Deshaun Watson. So now as a Browns fan this year, you second half of this year, you have to basically decide, do I have some sort of moral compass and high ground that supersedes my fandom of this team to where I'm not going to cheer for Deshaun Watson and therefore I'm not going to cheer for the team I've well, always cheered for. Most people are going to cheer for the team. They've they're always four cheered and for. one. They're going to cheer for the team. <laughs> but, and then this is like, to me, this is where I feel bad because most people aren't going to give up their fandom of the Cleveland Browns. The, the no, Browns of course fans. not. not gonna they've, happen. Been, they've done it too long. But I do think, and obviously there are outliers who are, you know, wearing free Deshaun Watson shirts. But when we get into the second half of the season, you are going to have Browns fans that are Browns fans that have always been Browns fans. And they want that team to do well, but also do not like that they signed Deshaun Watson. And so the second half of this season and next year and the next four, because they gave him a fully guaranteed deal, they're going to have to watch their favorite team with a guy they do not want to cheer for playing the most important position, which is, I feel bad for that because how do you cheer if you don't want to cheer for a guy accused of multiple sexual assaults? How do you cheer for your team when he's the quarterback of that team? You, you, uh, you're you in a weird team, just not him. Right, I mean, but he's the quarterback. What Deshaun Watson throws a game-winning th- touchdown. I just and think gonna, if, yeah, I just think if he throws a game-winning touchdown, your fandom overcomes whatever you might think of him. Right, and that's why I feel bad because you but, are now cheering for a guy accused of what is it, fifty-something sexual assaults? But that's what we would all do. Like, I feel bad because the Browns fans didn't choose it. And I'm pretty confident I mean, that every single fan base across the country would react the same exact way. You cheated. You you cheer for the Astros after the right. cheating. Yeah, I don't feel bad for myself. I like cheating, so that makes <laughs> me like them more. I have I have zero issue cheering for that. That's great. They're <laughs> trying to win harder than everybody else. It's phenomenal. Okay, okay. That's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's like I again like Astros fans that actually might feel bad about the cheating. They're just fans of the team. They didn't do anything. They, they didn't have no part in that. It's not like they chose for the Astros to cheat. That's just who their team is. So it, I feel bad for them. So in this scenario, not quite the same as Deshaun Watson, but I feel bad for Lions and Bears and Vikings fans because for, what are we on, three decades? They've had to watch Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, when's the last time? The Bears have never had a good quarterback, right? Meanwhile, the Packers went straight from Favre to Rodgers. For 30 years, the Packers have had a better quarterback than the Bears. I feel bad for that. What did the Bears fans do to deserve that? I don't know. So Bears got bad. their title. In the 80s, right? <laughs> yeah. So for the last, oh, yes. so since then. Hey, they got their title. For 30 years. It's been a long it's time been, for Danny and I as well. It's been Favre and Rodgers. And the, meanwhile, the Bears are trotting out Rex Grossman, right? Jay Cutler's like the best Bears quarterback of the last three decades. I feel a little bit bad for that. Right. So when Roger says I that, don't. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't have that much sympathy, but on my relative scale of sympathy. On your good days? Yeah. They, they get a little bit of sympathy because, again, they, yes, you chose to be a Bears fan, but not really. You were four, and your dad was yelling at the TV, so you were two, and you became a Bears fan. That's what happens. So, Well, sure, that's, but that's every sport. Right, I know. So, yeah, it goes across fan bases, yeah. right? I feel bad for, like, Reds fans, Pirates fans. Like, what? The A's fans, though, like that team's not going to spend any money. They're never going to be good. They're going to moneyball their way to a wild card, and that's it. That's the ceiling of the A's. And when they come here, don't worry, they'll spend some money. 
Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> We're waiting for that to happen. All right. Which team playing tonight's most li- most likely to win the Super Bowl? Rams or Bills? Bills. It's really hard to repeat. I think it's the Bills. Most likely. You're saying most likely. You're yeah, yeah. saying who's yeah. going to win the Super Bowl. So Bills have the best Super Bowl odds. And I swear every time I look at a TV and they're picking Super Bowl winners, the Bills are like across. Everybody's picking them. Like, yeah. it's almost like it's unanimous at this point. I wonder point. if it's about that game against Kansas City last year, and they said, okay, they can take one more step this year. Because that game against Kansas City was just right. bonkers. It right. was amazing. Amazing was game. And if they get, you know, don't let, what what did the Chiefs Pat, go, like 40 Pat yards Holmes, in yeah. 14 seconds yeah, or exactly. something stupid like that? Yeah, if that doesn't happen, they're in the AFC title game, and... I know the Bengals still won, but the Bills might have been in the Super Bowl. This might have been the Super Bowl matchup, Bills and Rams, if they just stopped Kansas City from going 40 yards in 14 seconds. To me, it just feels like, A, I agree with you. It's very difficult to repeat. I don't think the Rams are repeating. But I also feel like when everybody is saying the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, they're definitely not going to win the Super Bowl. Like, this isn't the NBA. If everybody's on the Bills, it means the Bills are going 9-8 and and maybe squeaking in as a wild card team. That's just what's going to happen. You really think they'd go nine and eight? No, but everybody's picking them to win the Super Bowl, so yeah. there's no so way they can win the Super Bowl. Twelve and five? There's no way they're winning it. Heck, some people are t- picking the Raiders at twelve and five. Uh oh, that's it? Only twelve? Yeah, only twelve. <laughs> Tune over Ra- Raider Nation Radio. <laughs> Should have them at fourteen wins. Come on, well, come on. Turn the five. dial. Turn there's the dial. Five losses. That's a lot. What are they losing to the Chiefs or something? <laughs> Un- unthinkable that that could happen. Um, Danny, have you bet on anything for this game yet? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. But okay. Is that going to change by the time we're off the air? By the time we're off the air, I don't know, but definitely by this <laughs> afternoon, that will change. Uh, currently there are 71 <laughs> available bets. 71. Uh, yeah. On oh, you're not passing up on those. Oh, uh, no. I've already looked at a few that looked really good. Um, <laughs> will a two point conversion look happen? Really good. Don't they? Will a two point conversion happen? Yes. Is I think plus two fifteen. <laughs> Does that mean will it be successful or just yeah. will they attempt? No. One? Yeah. No. Okay. Will it be successful? This okay. game or across the board? No. This, this game. Oh, this seventy-one for just tonight, Ed. Yeah. This is seventy-one for Ed, Danny's going to have bets on every single skill position over under on their yards. I've thought about it. <laughs> Cooper Cup is at ninety-four and a half for tonight. Under his catches are at seven and a half. Uh, over on that. I, I agree with Tyler on the, maybe on the yards, but he's just too much of a target. Yeah. And I have Stafford and cup in my fantasy league. So See, you don't need to then bet on Cooper cup. Why not? You're already invested on Cooper cup. Double the stakes. You're already <laughs> invested on Cooper cup. You don't need to then bet on him again, Bet on somebody, Bet on some random bills running backs. So you can yell about Singletary Moss or whatever the rookie is. James cook. They drafted. I was, uh, You'll like this one. Uh, there's a there's a prop for over under total touchdowns to bet on tonight. What is What's it? The number six and a half. And you have a bet that the Rams are going to score seven by themselves at some point this season. Yes. One of the highest scoring projected games of the year is only six and a half total. But that's six and a half offensive. If you bring up this damn, the defense can score again, Danny. Get out of here. Go to break. Mike Ramallah joins us next. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Ramallah. Good morning, Mike. Hello, Mike. How are you today? Hey, guys. What's going on? All right. Uh, Important question for you. 
Is Doug Brumfield yes. going to do what he did in week zero again? Uh, he will be the best quarterback on the field. He will have a good game. I, I tough to project 350 yards and four touchdowns, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you say, if you ask me, is he going to go for like 270 and at least two touchdowns? I'd say yes. And he'll look like the better quarterback. Okay. He'll look like the better quarterback, but if he struggles, how quickly would Marcus Arroyo go to the backup? I don't think it's going to happen this week. I, it, this was we in uh, in Marcus Arroyo's press conference on Monday. For the first time, basically, in his coaching tenure at UNLV, he declared a starting quarterback basically permanently. He said Doug Brumfield is the starter. The other two guys are not going to get snaps in practice. There's no plan to get them into the game in any way. Doug Brumfield is the guy. And to my recollection, he's never been that declarative about any quarterback ever since he's been here. So I can't see him making that statement. And then if Doug Brumfield throws a couple interceptions in the first half, immediately yanking him out <laughs> for Harrison Bailey, who quite frankly didn't look good in, in week zero. He just he stood back there and took a bunch of sacks. Um, I think you might go to Cameron Friel before you would go to Harrison Bailey at this point. But I think Doug Brumfield is the guy. I think he's pretty comfortable in that spot. I don't think he's got anything to worry about. Man, doesn't Arroyo know he's giving Cal such a competitive advantage by naming his quarterback for once? I think the, the, but the, the thing is, which he, he may have figured out, is that if Doug Brumfield is just miles better than everyone else, um, it may be more of, a, more of an advantage just to name him the starter and get him all the, the, the reps and just plan around him. It might be more advantageous to you than it is disadvantageous to everyone else to keep that a secret. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this about Brumfield beyond this game. Do you think he can be a top-half quarterback in the Mountain West? Are we looking at, hey, he's the fifth-best quarterback in the Mountain West this season? Yes, and it's. I've heard you talk about this before. It's been a long time since UNLV has had a guy who, passing the ball, you could say is you know, top third of the league, top three, four the guy who goes out regularly and has that quarterback advantage where you check UNLV when you do the tail of the tape. But based on, you know, the flashes that we saw last year, one game against an FCS team this year, he looks like he could be that guy. I mean, he's big, he's fast. He was pretty accurate in week zero. And I think maybe what the biggest thing is he's just got a bunch of playmakers around him now. Like he's got like good receiving core. Um, He's got, an offensive line that can protect him a little bit. And he's experienced enough at this point after two years in the system to know who to throw it to. I would expect, you know, it's like I said, that, that the, the numbers he put up in week zero against a team that's, you know, not really a, a football team. It's, <laughs> it's tough to, it's tough to expect that any other week, but um, he looked good regardless of the opponent. He's he made some good throws um, that will translate against anyone. So I do think that UNLV has a guy who's going to give them a chance in the Mountain West. Will Ricky White translate against everyone? I haven't seen him not translate yet. I mean, against the UNLV defense and against the Idaho State defense, which is whatever you want to say about the quality of those two defenses. He was uncoverable in training camp. He didn't get – no one st- stayed with him once. And the same thing against Idaho State. He was even more wide open on every play. He went for 180 in the first half. He probably could have gone for 280 if they forced the ball to him. So until I see someone cover him and shut him down, uh, he looks pretty good. He might be their best player. 
Uh, can they beat Cal? You, you've said a couple times Brumfield will be the best quarterback on the field. So can they beat Cal? I think they are going to beat Cal. Uh-oh. 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 Optimistic here Mike Kamala is here. 2-0 and with a win over a Power 5 team? I, I watched the, the first half of the Cal's opener last week, and they did not look good to my eye. Yeah, they they, their quarterback looked shaky enough where I think they're in trouble. Like, UNLV's defense might be somewhat improved, but they're still probably going to be bad. So if, you, if the quarterback for Cal or whoever the opponent is, if you're going to bail out the UNLV defense just by throwing inaccurate passes and you, you get them <laughs> you help them off the field on a couple third downs just by missing throws, you're giving UNLV a real chance. And with the way Doug Brumfield played and the way that I think UNLV can score points, I think they'll get over 20. I think they get up into the 20s scoring-wise. I think they get a chance, and I think they're going to win. Okay, they will lose because of what? Defense. If if Cal is just pounding the ball and running for, you know, 175 yards, 180 yards, and getting into a bunch of short-yarded situations um, and just dictating the game, then if the game is dictated to you and all these defense, they will have problems. And if Cal gets up into the 30s and that quarterback plays better than expected, um, I don't think, you know, I don't think UNLV is going to win a shootout. I don't think they're going to score 40. Um, so they, they are going to need some stops from the defense. And if they don't get them, uh, I would say they're, they'd lose. But if they can find a way to force a couple punts, maybe get a lucky turnover, that quarterback overthrows a, someone on third down, there's four stops right there. I think that might be enough. Would you UNL- me to play out a scenario? Would UNLV be a guaranteed bowl team if Jacoby Windham and State instead of transferring to Michigan State? Man, that is a that's a big loss. How big does that loss look now in the offseason? Four sacks. Four sacks. It's they UNLV moved them to middle linebacker last year. <laughs> First thing Michigan State does when he gets it, like, wait, this guy is a monster pass rusher. We're going to put him at the end, and he's going to get four sacks in week one. Um, so he might not have had the impact at UNLV that he's having at Michigan State just because UNLV was playing him off the ball and sort of out of position. But, yeah, I mean, that's a huge piece. He would be the best player on the defense, maybe the best player on the team. Yeah, that's a that's a tough loss. I think they might be a guaranteed bowl team anyway, though, to answer oh, your question. If you are if they, so optimistic. Wow. I've got I'm if staying listen, at listen. I'm staying at five right now, but I might have to change if they beat Cal. I might have to slip up to six. Listen, go to my story at the Las Vegas Sun that just posted yesterday. If they beat Cal, they will be two and zero. And that basically if you're a Mountain West team, a two and zero start guarantees you a bowl game because the last sixteen of the last seventeen Mountain West teams to start two and zero have qualified for a bowl game. So if you go into conference play, if you're good enough to win your first two games, you will find enough wins in the Mountain West schedule to get to a bowl game. So you beat Cal, you're pretty much there. Man, look at you. So hold on, hold on, hold on. They play North Texas next. You're going to sit here and tell me you've got them at 3-0, and don't you? I I don't have them at 3-0, and but that's a winnable game. That's why I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm kind of looking at this the way the schedule is lining up and the way they played against that FCS team. I am drinking the Kool Aid right now. <laughs> I hate to say it because that Idaho State team is maybe the worst team that UNLV has played since I've been covering a team. <laughs> but that's what you want to do to a bad team. They were up fifty to zero at halftime, you know. So 
I don't uh, know. I look at Cal. If you're two and zero, and then you come back to North Texas at home, that's that's looking like a, a big game. So let's see what happens against Cal. I think they have a real chance. I believe Tony Sanchez beat Jackson State eighty to eight in the first game of a season, and then won four games. Yeah, yeah. You think that's <laughs> you think that's the, the the best comparison for this this team? Probably, but Cal. Listen, Cal struggled with UC Davis. UC Davis is in the same conference in the FCS as Idaho State. I, As far as I know, UC Davis is going to be much better than Idaho State in that conference, though. But I don't think you're wrong in saying UNLV can beat Cal. I just, I just am not quite ready to say they're going to beat Cal and then possibly North Texas and be 3-0 and and halfway to bowl eligibility. Well, you started the North Texas talk. I'm just saying if they, if they do beat Cal, do you agree with me that they are pretty much a lock for a bowl game no, at that point? No, not at all. Because the the, prob, the problem for UNLV... What could go wrong? What, it's UNLV football. What do you mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> everything, could go wrong? Could, everything could go wrong. The problem, I think, for UNLV is they're going to need two wins at the end of the season against Hawaii and Nevada. Like, those are two of the worst teams on their schedule. They're going to need to beat those two teams. And the problem is those are the last two games on the schedule after they go through a five-game stretch against the five best teams on the schedule. They might not have a healthy quarterback for those two games because the history of UNLV football is their quarterback gets hurt. That's true. But one of the things about this team we know is that they have three quarterbacks. So, I mean, one of them just went two and eight against a team that you said is not a real football team. <laughs> that, is, that is true. But <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I can't co-sign that they're going to potentially miss a bowl game because of those two games at the end of the year, because I've got those two games marked down as a win. I've had those marked down as a win all off season. Like, and if UNLV is somewhat of a legitimate bowl contender, those are games that they should, that I've got them winning on the way there. So I can't, I don't see how those games are going to be much of a road bump. If UNLV is rolling in and rolling in there at four and six for the, the final two games, that's a good, that, to me, that's a good situation. I've got to ask you a question before you go that we asked everyone yesterday. I'll just keep asking this question. Oh, good question. Do you like parades? No. Thank you. Oh, good answer. Oh, good no. answer, how, Mike. How, how fast was that answer, by the way? <laughs> I like I like fanfare. I like big like on opening day for MLB. I like the the bunting and the all bunting. the the pomp and the, the fanfare. But I don't want to like I don't want to watch it pass by me very slowly for like forty five minutes to an hour. Right. Good answer. Mike Romala knows what's up. It's now five three. Yep. It's now Tyler's now five and three. Uh, Commanding Danny, lead. Danny and I are three and five. Commanding lead. I, I think it's going to be tough for us to come back. I can't see Darren <laughs> or Jr. agreeing with us. Well, Darren, well, will. Darren will ask which side Tyler's yes. on, and then he will take my yes. side. Darren will probably agree with you. I, I will say I I do put on that that Macy's parade on TV on Thanksgiving, and yes. I will like leave that on the TV as like background noise for like ambiance. It sets a good, it sets a good tone for Thanksgiving. So <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it on TV, I guess. So the, the most popular parade in the country will be good for background noise is as far as you'll go on complimenting. <laughs> background was not the right choice of words. My second choice <laughs> of ambiance is a better choice of words. It, it sets a good Thanksgiving, like homey tone like that you, that you looking for on that holiday. So I would say that. All right. Get out of here, Mike. Thank you for uh, Thank dumping you, on parades. Thanks, guys. Mike Ramallah from the Las Vegas Sun. Very optimistic. Oh, he's... Listen, UNLV... If UNLV goes to a bowl, do they get a parade? 
A bowl game? I feel like they should get a parade if they go to a bowl well, game. Well, you feel like they should, but I just don't think they would. If they win the bowl game, I say yes. Yeah, but bowl games aren't that important. Like, for UNLV, winning the bowl game, is, is that is completely irrelevant. Qualifying it is the qualifying for the bowl game is important. Winning it, whatever. They lose and they finish six and seven. It's the greatest season they've had in a decade. Maybe longer than that. Like, phenomenal season if they go six and seven with a bowl loss. What if they go seven and six? You give them a parade? Yes. You do? I probably right do. down the strip? They win the cannon. Normally they kind of take the cannon around campus after they win it. You'd if have they, you'd have the they, cannon on a float. If they beat Nevada. You'd have the cannon on a float and go to a bowl to get to six. Like that win gives them six in the final game of the season. We, there's got to be some sort of cannon parade. I, you don't have to have an official like, oh, we got 47 floats, but that damn thing's getting you know shown around the strip or wherever the hell you're going with it. I don't know. Yes, you got to do something. Taking victory lap around Allegiant. Right yeah, there, you go. Yeah, there you Just go. Fly to Kansas City and do it around Arrowhead again. That'll be good. All right, coming up next, we got the greatest sound from Jameis Winston. You got certain things that are, we're all like it's our body is so symmetrical, right? You got you got your wrists, you know, and then you, what are your wrists on the bottom half? Your ankles, you know. You got your shoulders up top. What are your shoulders? Your hips, you know what I'm saying? You got your elbows. What are your elbows? Your knees, right? Like so. <laughs> Well, it's symmetrical, and you just got to work different parts. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. What was that all about? I, I love Jameis Winston. <laughs> Everything's symmetrical? Yes. He's telling you that your top half and bottom half, your shoulders are just your hips, your wrists are just your ankles, and your elbows are just your knees. It's all the same. Okay. <laughs> He's just talking you through that head, shoulders, knees, and toes song. <laughs> I love that guy so much. Why? Listen, Derek Carr, whatever. You probably have him over Jameis Winston. I need the Raiders to go get Jameis Winston. I need <laughs> that to the, happen. Just for the quote. Yes. The guy's talking about how your shoulders are your hips. Like, it's great. I love this guy. I need more Jameis Winston. That's what I need. Do you not need more Jameis Winston? No, I thought it was great. Right. I thought it was a great quote. He's a very I funny this. man. I hope the Saints are good and he is healthy because I want that. Don't... Oh, Danny, Danny, do not Danny, give me thumbs up just because you've you got bet some on kind of bet on it. You got some kind of action on it. Oh, what do you absolutely. got? Just because I say I hope somebody is good, I do not need a thumbs up from you because you bet on them. You've to be got good. the over. No, I have Jameis Winston as comeback player of the year. <laughs> he's he's actually the second favorite. Do you ever just bet on games? I see. Yeah. You seem to be the prop guy. You seem to be a lot of props. Uh, props are fun to play, but yeah, I bet games too. I have a couple <laughs> for this weekend. Wait, who is the favorite to be comeback player of the year? Uh, I'll double check, but I want to say it's Christian McCaffrey or uh, I'll check. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Can Brian Robinson win comeback player of the year as a rookie? That's a great question. I'll say no. I can't remember who I saw tweet about this. Being Someone tweeted that it was possible? Yeah. Like... I don't know what the, I don't know if there's official rules to who can be comeback player of the year. I don't know if you have to come. I, mean, I don't back. know if they'd ever think about it. Right. I don't know if you have to come back from having played or what not you played coming, the year yeah, before. Exactly. You but I, I doubt there's specific rules. And if Brian, no, Robinson, I don't think they'd ever even think that that right. would be possible, or that, that there'd be someone that would be eligible for right. that. So if Brian Robinson goes from being shot in the preseason to playing in whatever week he comes back, he could come back as early as their fifth game. Uh, playing in week five, week eight, and like, and being great, and is a good running back for Washington. Right. You should probably win yes. comeback player of the year. 
Like, like the other guy, normally it's like, oh, the guy came back from an injury. Yeah, right? an ACL and, yeah. or something happened like to him. Like McCaffrey right. or Jameis. It's right. like, oh, they came back from an injury and look had at a the great, great season. season they had. Coming back from being shot in the same season in which you came back would be... I just I said I didn't think so because I'm just... I. Do you have a, do you have a specific rule? Uh, I mean, as I'm putting specific in quotes, uh, it's from Wikipedia, but it says uh, in the form of not being in the NFL the previous year due to a severe injury or simply poor performance. <laughs> Somebody who has shown perseverance and in overcoming adversity. Well, which I would say that's that I would say that qualifies. I say that qualifies. I do love that it's like, hey. Uh, guys that were hurt last year or just completely sucked are the ones that yeah. are going to win comeback player of the year. I do like that. Like, yeah, you just were awful last year. Welcome back. By the way, the favorite to win comeback is actually Derrick Henry. Oh, he did get hurt. Yes. Yeah. So you're telling me Henry, Christian James McCaffrey. Winston, Christian uh, McCaffrey is actually kind of, he's down the list. He's number six. Where's Jameis? Jameis is number two. Okay. So you didn't even get good odds on Jameis. Actually, I did because I got oh, plus 550 and it's gone down to plus 400. Okay, that's not that good. Come on now. Like it's slightly good, but that's not like you got him when he was 16 to 1. Well, no, he opened at 550. Yeah, okay. You should have waited. Let him throw three picks in the first game. Then he'd be 20 to 1 and then you bet on him. Because you, you know what's going to happen. He's going to have a game where he throws four interceptions. That's fine. Or actually, no, no, no. That's this is, fine. If he goes 30 and That's 30 fine. again, he'll probably win comeback player of the year. Well, no, this is the other reason why I love Jameis Winston. He had LASIK before yeah. he joined the right. Saints. And right. then last year he got hurt early in the year, so we didn't really get to see it. Right. But like, my entire thought process is that the guy threw interceptions because he couldn't see. Right. He could he he could not see who it actually was down the field, and he was just putting it up there. Are you you know I've had LASIK. Did you become a great NFL quarterback afterwards? <laughs> no, but I could see. Yeah, so like you could see the football fields. So that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, like when you it's worn off because at the Raiders camp I couldn't see anybody, <laughs> and they're only three football fields away. It's a while ago when I the had Raiders it. are going to have to cover your second LASIK surgery. Yes, to exactly. Fix it. You're darn right. <laughs> like hey. You got me looking way too far <laughs> trying to see if Zamir White surgery, or man. Jermaine Elmanor, whoever's on the field, give me. I need, I need more LASIK. Up.